The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by George R.R. R. Martin. Special thank you for Fire and Blood. The prequel is out before the sequel. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a song of ice and fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into chapter 39 at our 10 of A Game of Thrones. And in A World of Ice and Fire we are discussing Dorne. And we'll also be talking about Fire and Blood, friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fire and Blood is finally here, Sir Ezra. Uh, we did kind of an initial review episode and um, we're going to talk a little bit about it more here. We're going to be talking about the first chapter of the book, Aegon's Conquest. Yeah. Uh, just a lot. Just a lot happening right now. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. We were just kind of finishing up our um, World of Ice and Fire, uh, the last region with, with Dorne, so it's kind of overlapping with Fire and Blood, but that's okay. Uh, we want to make sure we get uh, get that in. It actually works out because Fire and Blood, as you'll find out, uh, Chapter 1 is, um, if you listen to the review, you'll know it's pretty straightforward and Pretty much a rehash of Aegon's Conquest. So, right, yeah, we t- yeah we talked about we talked about that in review a little bit. So there's definitely some rehash material, um, but in this chapter happened to be one of those. But there's a lot of good stuff as you progress in that book a little bit more. Absolutely, yep, hundred percent. So we got some good comments too in the Facebook group about that. Actually, like as you continue in uh, to the book, you you will be uh, surprised and um, pleased pleased mm-hmm. so all right um well we like to mention at the top of the show uh you can send your ravens to btk uh, cast at gmail.com so that is just uh comments theories uh anything you would like us to discuss in raven's nest we have that coming up and uh i think it's not next week but the week after that we're, we're uh, working yep. on raven's nest yeah, a we're big s- show yeah we, yeah we just uh we just tried uh some of the uh tried Sir Ezra and I did a little test run in the uh, Discord group there, and for some reason it was giving us some weird audio issues. We sounded like we were about to drive you down on your AM drive here on uh, Bend the Knee podcast, going to uh, hitch up with some of those crazy tunes on this wacky Monday. That's <laughs> what it sounded like. I know. Like, what is going on? <laughs> it was, yeah, our voices sounded so weird. It was crazy. So let's we'll figure like that out. But deep, dark, you know, weird, weird voices, so... <laughs> Oh man, it's funny. Um, trying, trying, try, going to be trying to read you, reading you some theories, and I guess we're going to be giving you your weather forecast for your, you know, afternoon drive. Yeah, home, so. <laughs> really bizarre uh, audio issues we were having over there. So, got to get that ironed out a little bit here, and uh, and and we'll and we'll have that Ravens Nest coming for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, can't wait for that. So, 
Mm -hmm. And we have uh, Black Council coming coming as well. Uh, should be up uh, this week when you're listening to this episode for the yeah. for Patreon members as well. So that Black Council, the Sworn Sword, second part of the Duncan Egg series, should be up uh, soon. So yeah, yep, it'll be this week for sure. So that'll, that'll be that'll mm -hmm. be good stuff. So, um, all right, my friend, I think it's time to to dive into our uh, small council. Yeah, man, how's how's life uh, treating Sir Ezra right now? Uh, I I am stoked. I uh, I've it's been it's crazy. I, I love it. I've uh, I mean now I'm reading three books just for this one podcast and it's fantastic. So I've got, I've got Game of Thrones, Fire and Blood, um, A World of Ice and Fire. Like it's all running together. And Duncan Egg. And Duncan Egg. You know. Duncan Egg. It, yeah. Yes. So four. I mean it's it's fantastic. I actually I feel so much better now recording because I have uh, my setup here. I've got the uh, Fortress of Solitude all set up nice and. Nice and neat. Uh, went and got some, uh, you know, Black Friday was, you know, I made made a couple purchases and uh, made life a little easier for myself here in, in the podcasting world. Uh, so that was fun. Thank you to everyone on Patreon who uh, supports us there. That makes that makes that makes doing this a lot easier. And, and uh, you know, I, I use your money wisely, Lily, you know, <laughs> so <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> uh, how, how's it going with you, man? Doing all right? Hey, yeah, man. Hey, hey, man. Every everything's good. Had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, no, no complaints there. Um, yeah, I'm uh, getting my office a little more set up. Took some time uh, making it going to be a little bit easier. Streamlining some stuff. Um, you know, Sarah and I have some other side projects and get getting those kind of. Uh, more manageable. So now that I yeah. have everything kind of a little more manageable, it's gonna be like, oh, okay, sweet. Got got kind of more of a system down, so yeah, can uh, crank out some more bend the knee content for people. So oh I feel, yeah, I feel I feel good about that. I feel like I've kind of gotten everything a little well, more uh, cr less crazy and kind of more structured. And and that's what we needed going into having juggling three to four books in um, a song of ice and fire. You know. On this book club, it's like we needed to get kind of we needed this weekend, I think, to just to get the holiday weekend to get settled down, um, you mm -hmm. know, and, and get uh, some structure back in our lives. Hey, you're back uh, in Gain City, running the running the town, so you know. Yeah, it's like, true. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, I put down the fork, uh, you know, picked up <laughs> pick, picked up the sword, you know, like like much like Rhaegar Targaryen put down the book. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're, yeah, yeah. But I feel feel good being back uh, in the gym, working out a little bit. Uh, you know, just trying to uh, maybe become the master at arms. Yeah, yeah, the master at yeah. arms. <laughs> Cue the cricket sound oh, uh, right. for that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that's so. great. Um, yeah. Okay. So a couple things here in the small council. Things we wanted to kind of uh, uh, go over here first and foremost. We're just you know being selfish here, but uh, guys. Don't forget uh, to hit up the old Twitter. Um, you can follow me at WompRat underscore 2M, and I expect to see uh, some new followers by Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, whoa, yeah. You, you can follow me on the Twitter or the Instagram at SuperGainsBros. It's all one word. Uh, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter. We also have a Bend the Knee Twitter, a Bend the Knee Instagram. Uh, the Twitter lets you know exactly when episodes get posted, um, stuff like that. So it's kind of yeah. pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So anyways, just wanted to mention that um, We also have, oh, we've got an update uh, I think last week we were talking about uh, we're, you know, We've been uh, prepping for Fire and Blood And uh, that was a part of our, our trivia, you know, last uh, last week It was basically, um, we asked the, the question um, Let's see, who is this the right one, Sir Matt? Uh, who was mm -hmm. Aegon the Conqueror's Hand of the King? That's right, yeah so. Yeah, and we would have accepted any of the answers We had a post in the in the Facebook group 
Um, and you know, there was, there was a few, the big one we were looking for was Oris Baratheon. Um, you know, we were, we were highly hinting at him last week, yes. uh, yeah. to, 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 to say, to say the least here. Um, yeah, we were highly hinting at him and we said everyone who submitted an answer throughout the week would be entered in trivia for this week. And we are going to send you a copy of fire and blood. And, uh, we did that, put a kind of a names into a hat, or I just actually kind of, you know, put it into a computer system and did like a yeah. di- dice roll thing. And the winner, the winner, excuse me, is Emily uh, Biting, or Emily Bidding. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. But yeah, so send us uh, some details as to where we should send you your copy of Fire and Blood. So you, yeah, you, won, the, you, won, you won the trivia there. So yeah. Congratulations, Emily. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay tuned. I think uh, you yeah, have this. Um, we may start doing trivia kind of like this. Um, we've been thinking about restructuring trivia, um, maybe doing like giveaways like once a month or something, I think is a little yeah. more kind of fun way to do trivia, um, especially because Sir Ezra and I were trying with our Raven's Nest stuff. So um, people who are in that in that Patreon tier can actually listen as we record this episode live. So with that, that's going to make trivia the way we've been doing it kind of, you know. Yeah, easy for the people. Yeah, because we want to we want to open it up to everyone. So we're still kind of figuring that out, but uh, it's probably going to be a yeah like a monthly trivia get giveaway type of a thing. So, yep, absolutely. So that'll be yeah, that'll be awesome. So. Uh, okay, so, cool. Uh, one other thing here. So we have uh, we yeah, we want you guys in the Facebook group. Uh, we want you guys to head over there and check that out. Uh, have some good discussions going on there. If you haven't liked the Facebook page, um, I don't know what your problem is right now, but you need to bend the knee. Exactly. And uh, you need yeah. to go like the Facebook page uh, and you need to enter the group uh, because we're going to be pulling a lot more uh, stuff there from the uh, the group. Now, if you're on Patreon and you are, you know, in um, the Bla- uh, I'm sorry, the the Night's Watch or higher, if you're in one of those tiers, you guys can listen uh, live to the Raven's Nest. We're not so sure how the quality is going to go on that yet, but we're going to work it out um, and m- make sure we can, you know, get you guys in there so you can influence the show. And then uh, we're also going to have speakers in there as well uh, who can speak. So all of that goodness is is on Patreon.com forward slash Bend the Knee. And uh, if you if you haven't connected to the Discord server, you need to go in there and do that so you'll have access to that in time. So if there's any you know hiccups with that or you need to contact us and how to do that, um, you know just go try first. Log into Patreon. There should be an email uh, that was sent to you guys as to you know how to get into Discord. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, just you know let us know. Send us a message and we'll uh, help you work through it. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Sir Ezra, I think we should go ahead and move on over to, are we going to do Dorne first or do you want to do Fire and Blood Part 1 first? Uh, wow, it's up to you, buddy. I mean, either one, I'm I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's let's. I think we should go ahead and do and do Fire and Blood. So, um, we are going to be re now that we're this is going to be our last week in a world of ice and fire, and we're going to be doing fi- the Fire and Blood chapters. Um, so as we kind of said in our review, uh, Fire and Blood, especially this first chapter, is almost word for word the same as the World of Ice and Fire chapter of of Aegon's Conquest, which we did um, you know a couple months ago. Um, yeah. So it's still it's pretty much that that exact same that exact same tale, um, you know, Aegon coming coming in and kind of you know going around and telling the other you know the, the kings, hey, I'm pretty much here to take over. Yeah, and uh, them them kind of saying no. Uh, the biggest being a uh, hair in the black, um, you know, and we we get we get to that right where 
Heron the Black uh, says his his castle is impregnable, and that right. does not seem to be yeah. That doesn't yeah. seem to be the case. No, it's yeah. not the case. So, he, he finds out that yeah. he's uh, he's in for a, a hurting, you know, and so mm-hmm. are all of his, uh, you know, descendants there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, one interesting comment on on that in particular, you know, um, he is actually, that's they're, they're in the Riverlands, and that's Ironborn. Um, they are Iron, mm-hmm. that's, that's controlled by the Ironborn. And so, you know, House Tully is actually... We've talked about this before, so I'm not going to get in all the details here, but um, is is sort of elevated to um, Lord Paramount, you know, there in the in in um, the Riverlands. But what's interesting is there's not a lot of, uh, you know, you 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 don't see later like an influence from the Ironborn. You don't see a lot of their culture. You don't see like a lasting impact. You know, so I mm-hmm. we didn't really get a lot of those answers in this chapter one as to maybe why that is or isn't it's pretty much as sir matt has said just a, the same thing we got in a world of ice and fire well i mean here let me just uh let me just read you a little bit of it uh, um crap. so this is from a world of ice and fire going back to where we were as i always like to read yeah. world of ice and fire the maesters of the citadel who uh who keep the histories of westeros have used Aegon's conquest as their touchstone for the past 300 years births deaths battles and uh, other events are dated either AC after the conquest or BC before the conquest. True scholars know that such dating is far from precise. Aegon Targaryen's conquest, and as we go on, Fire and Blood, Chapter One. The maesters of the Citadel, who keep the histories of Westeros, have used Aegon's conquest as their touchstone for the past 300 years. Births, deaths, battles, and other events are dated either AC after the conquest, and so you can see. I mean, it is it's quite literally a word for word retelling of of that chapter, which is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. which 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 is to- is totally fine. Um, it's just some is as we've said, some of the information in Fire and Blood is going to be retold, um, because much of World of Ice and Fire is told to us by current maesters but they are looking back at archmaester gildane's writings and yes. so this is archmaester gildane's history this yes. isn't another maester telling us this is all his kind of work so um yeah aegon's conquest the first chapter in fire and blood is literally the exact same one in world of ice and fire which we've already covered yeah um as well, as we and that's fine and as we go forth i mean even even the second the second you know the second and third chapter here, the reign of the dragon wars of King Aegon, the first um, three heads of the dragon governance under King Aegon. There's a lot of new, really cool information in that. And as we get to, um, you know, Prince and a King, the Ascension of Jaehaerys, the first, the year of the three brides, all of that stuff is all new information. So it's going to be super cool. Um, it's just, you know, I just, I just don't, I just don't see the need for us to rehash this first chapter in fire and blood when we, it's literally word for word. Um, Aegon's yeah. conquest from World of Ice and Fire. Well, and and if there are any, you know, you know, little differences, it's it's a it's a it's taking they're so a, minor that they're so minor that I didn't notice them. Yeah, uh, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it just like giving, uh, for example, um, what's her name there in the Vale? Um, they just mentioned that she has been called Qu- Queen Shara was also known as the Flower of the Mountain. You know, it's like little things. Where yeah, they, I mean, I'm. I, like I said, I'm pretty sure it is word for word. I'm just skipping. I'm skipping a, a few paragraphs in here. Yeah. Um. You know, a common myth oft heard amongst the ignorant claims that the, uh, that Aegon Targaryen had never set foot upon the soil of Westeros until the day he set sail to conquer it. That's from Fire and Blood. Same exact exact same word for word um, line here. A common myth oft heard amongst the ignorant claims that Aegon Targaryen had never set foot upon the soil of Westeros until the day he set to conquer it. So. 
Um, and then, you know, that's, that's fine because the thing is a lot of people, and as we, we've talked about this, um, you know, sir, uh, Lord, uh, James Hunter, right. Our, yeah. one of our yeah, Lord uh, Hunter. Lo- mm-hmm. uh, loyal listeners. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, had said to us, you know, when you guys were talking about all this history stuff, I didn't know what it was. So fire and blood, I kind of view it. Um, and we talked about this in our review a little bit. I'm kind of viewing it as an extension of a world of ice and fire. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like going from, you know, algebra one to algebra two. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of, you know, you're taking a lot of those principles, those same principles, and you're just diving into it a little bit deeper. Of course, I barely I don't even think I made it past, you know, like I didn't think I made it into algebra two. OK, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm still struggling with geometry here. OK, you know, so. Yeah. 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 Well, no, you're right. I mean, all, all of this, it is just a companion. But that, so the reason I brought up the whole bit about the Ironborn is because what I was looking right. for in this first chapter was some of those explanations. You know, I thought, mm-hmm. man, maybe they are going to kind of show me how the Ironborn culture, you know, um, was seen or influenced the Riverlands, you know, versus it just being there for a second, then gone. I thought we were going to get answers to like the the letter that Rainey's Targaryens, you know, mm-hmm. um, well, that Dorne sends, you know, um, after Rainey's has has fallen in in Dorne at Sunspear, and we don't get answers to those things. So, it, you know, that those are the things I was looking for, didn't get them. So the reason I said last week that I was a little discouraged was because I thought I was going to get some of that, and that's okay because, you know, once I, you know, encouraged by, uh, you know, Sir Matt said just keep reading, and we had someone I think it was Sarah. Uh, in in our group who had said like you know just get to the first get through the first couple of chapters and then you know it will all start to kind of um, you know that new juicy stuff comes out so right well I mean you know something that's kind of cool is there's there's a really nice drawn picture in every chapter right yeah uh-huh. um, and some of this stuff we didn't you know there are pictures in a world of ice and fire um, you know there was the one of Jaharis on the th- or excuse me Aegon on the throne with um, Rainies and Lucenia. Uh, um, which we had posted in the Facebook group, but um, man, that one of um, Oris Baratheon fighting, yeah, you know, Arg- 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 the arrogant—that is such a cool photo. You know, they fought, they fought one on one, and then he 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 slew him, which which we knew, you know, we talked about that before. Is he kills he kills him, and that's how House Baratheon is born. Yes, mm-hmm. right, and then he he takes his daughter, um, not as a not as like a prisoner, but as his wife, and he. You know he ha- um, ends it t- ends that ends that line right it ends that Durand that Durand that Durandin yeah. line and he takes their sigil and their words and just you know takes it as his own. Yeah, yeah. I think he had a lot of respect for um, you know Arlac, right. and so that's that's sort of and his daughter. She was defiant and willing to die there, and you know. Uh, right. so, you know they bring her. They bring her naked and yeah, it's a great scene. You know she's naked, chained, and he unchains her and clothes her. You know, <laughs> and then it's yeah. it's awesome. You know, it's sort of a right, cool, cool bit. Uh, okay, so you know anything else really from from that? Um... No, like like I said, ne- uh, you know as as we go forward, and I think when we get to Sons of the Dragon, um, you know we've actually done a Patreon episode on that, a black a Black Council Patreon episode. So uh, I guess. Uh, you guys are getting a freebie on that one, so <laughs> you know. As, yeah. As, well, as we, well, and we we pull we'll pull out some of the highlights and and you know for sure absolutely big talking yeah. points. I mean, you know, like with this one, I think it was um like in the first chapter, it's it's basically him confronting those kings, and we talked about uh, you know um, hair in the black, and and at the end, mm. 
you know, Rainies and, and well, not not yet. We're not to the Rainies situation yet, but but still, you know. Um, oh, yeah. absolutely. As we, yeah, and like and stuff like that. And we we said in our review episode uh, that we posted, you know, a couple hours ago um, that uh, you know we I pulled I pulled a line in there talking about how like important uh, both of his wives were, right, and that he always took one of to one of them with him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So as we, there's, uh, it's not like we're, it's not like the conquest is all we get about. Um, Egg on the Conqueror. There, yeah, we yeah. Get like three, we get like three full chapters of him. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. It just happens to be that this week uh, is just his conquest, which you know we we've uh, we did a couple of months ago in our in our main show. So yep, yep. Okay, all right. Then let's uh, let's dive into um, you know into a world of ice and fire, and let's talk about uh, Dorn. You know, our yeah, last absolutely. little region here to kind of uh, get into. Um, Interesting. I mean, you know, I almost said, uh, as I say with some of these, when it's not my favorite region. Only, I, yeah, hey, only a Dornishman can ever truly know Dorn, it is said. That's true. Sir Ezra. The southernmost of the Seven Kingdoms is also uh, the most inhospitable and the strangest to the eyes of many men, uh, of any man raised in the Reach or the Westerlands or, or, or King's Landing, for Dorn is different in many more ways than can be told. Vast deserts of red and white sand, forbidding mountains where treacherous passes are guarded by treacherous peoples, sweltering heat, sandstorms, scorpion, fiery food, poisons, castles made of mud, um, dates and figs and blood oranges. These things comprise most of what the small folk of the Seven Kingdoms know of Dorne. All of these things exist, to be sure, but there is far more to this ancient principality than that, for it has a history that um, stretches back to the Dawn Age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and one of the things that um, is talked a lot about in here is that this is where, as you said, the First Men come across the land bridge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and, yeah. So this is kind of the entry point into Westeros from everyone who was in Essos. Um so you know, which is which is interesting. So you can imagine it's had. I mean, this is the um, green hands, you know, and you know comes through here, and he continues to move north into the reach, you know, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a lot of history to it, even though it's sort of a desolate kind of area. A lot of people have, you know, at least uh, with the first men, have come through uh, supposedly th- this this point, you know, right through Dorne. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that it talks about there are no cities in Dorne, right? It says uh, there are no cities in Dorne. Then the show, the so-called shadow city that clings to the walls of Sunspear is large enough to be counted as a town, um, a town built of mud and straw. It must be admitted. Um, and so I just think it's it's just kind of interesting, right? That it says the Dornish don't really ha- it's the Dornish don't really have a city, right? It's all just kind of smaller yeah. like villages, right? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, small villages or like a town. So on the map, it calls them towns. And mm-hmm. um, one of those towns is like, you know, Planky Town, which basically just a bunch of planks for roads. You know, it's sort of like right, right. there on the Green Blood, uh, which is mm-hmm. the main river coming into Dorne. And uh, yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's I, I would imagine if you come from a, a major city in uh, um, Westeros and you show up in Dorne, you're, mm-hmm. you're probably alarmed. You're probably in shock, uh, you're wondering what is this you know it's just mm-hmm. real primitive not primitive but just uh bare well 
No, it, yeah, it's it's well. It, there's a line right here. It's interesting. It says Dornishmen and Northmen alike are uh, derived as savages by the ignorant of the five civilized kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is it was funny that this segment is written from Archmaester Brood, who is from Dorne, right? He's from Sunspear. Yeah. Uh, so it's just interesting how you get that line right. Uh, the ignorant of the five civilized kingdoms and celebrated for their valor by those who have crossed swords with them. Um, the Dornishman boasts that theirs is the oldest of the seven kingdoms of Westeros. This is true after a um, after a fashion. Unlike the Andals who came later, the first men were not seafarers. They came into Westeros not on longships but afoot over the land bridge from Essos, the remnants of which exist today only as the stepstones and the broken arm of Dorne. So, you know, it's interesting is that you have kind of the middle of kingdoms, right? The Riverlands, mm-hmm. the Westerlands, and stuff like that, um, which are have much more Andals in them. So really the Dornish also have a lot of first men. Yeah. You know, I, w- probably. I was literally going to say the same thing. That's you're right. You're, you're spot on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the North and the Dorn and Dorn, you know, just right. Yeah. Littered with first men. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. Yeah. And, and I, I, you get where, you know, where uh, from Andalus, where the Andals, you know, sail across the narrow sea and where they land near the Vale. Um, makes sense too like they're mm-hmm. uh they did not they had heard rumor they didn't sail south they didn't sail north uh so when they their entry point you know just geographically uh would would you know let, lend them to kind of head to the stormlands to the riverlands and you know the reach and so on so um makes sense but then yeah and and, and those that did venture down to to dorn it's tough. You have to go through the red, the red mountains. I mean, there's a, you know, some treacherous passes. People, you know, it said even too that some of the first men who, when they crossed um, the desert there, like died of of thirst, mm-hmm. of starvation. You know, um, so you know, at least initially until they figured out the routes and uh, you know kept close to the coastline and and things. Uh, yeah, so interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so something I thought was kind of cool is this about the rivers, and I just thought that was kind of interesting. Most Dornish rivers are in full flood only after the rare and dangerous rainstorms. The rest of the year, they are dry gullies. In all of Dorne, uh, only three rivers flow day and night, winter and summer, without ever going dry. Uh, the Torrentine, arising high in the western mountains, plunges down into the sea in a series of uh, rapids and waterfalls, howling through canyons and crevices with a sound like the roar of some great beast. Rising from mountain springs, its waters are sweet and pure, but dangerous to cross, save by bridge, and impossible to navigate. The Brimstone is a far more uh, placid stream, but its cloudy yellow waters sink of stink of sulfur. And the plants that grow along its banks are strange and stunted things. Mm. Um, yeah, it says of the men who live along these banks, we shall not speak. Uh, but the but the green blood's waters, if sometimes muddy, are uh, health healthful for plants and animal alike. And farms uh, and orchids crown the river's banks for hundreds of leagues. Moreover, the uh, the green blood and its vassals, the vaith and the scourge. Uh, are, navig- are navigable by boat almost uh, by their source. And so anyway, so it's just interesting talking about like, you know, um, we've talked about this before, right? When you think about the kind of the houses that come from Dorne, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you think, you think we've talked about this more like the stone, there's the stony Dornishman and the sandy Dornishman, right? Like yeah. House Mar- House Martell and House... Um, House Dane. House Dane, 
different. seem like totally totally different, right? Even yep. though like when you think about like the Manderleys and they actually, you know, the Manderleys came from the you know, the Reach originally. Mm-hmm. But when we when we when we see House Manderley, um, you know, and the Starks, they seem, you know, yeah. similar, right? It's just that similar type of type of house. But Doran yeah. it seems vastly different. Yeah, vastly different. Yeah. Uh the next bit I I did have highlighted here was the um a, a, I think it's King Darren, right? Talks about the sandy, the stony uh, and the salty Dornishmen, and just sort of talks about mm-hmm. the regions in which they're from. One thing before we go any further, though, you mentioned um, the brimstone, right, is a far more placid stream, but it's cloudy mm-hmm. yellow water stink of sulfur, um, and that there's creatures, you know, strange uh, strange and stunted, and and we shall not speak mm-hmm. of the people who live near that. You think they're, like, disfigured and kind of like, um, like are there, I don't something know. bad in the water there? Are they... Why is maybe it's all maybe well you know the when you think of the the chronic men right there you could almost argue they're stunted right they're they're right. kind of these shorter these shorter people maybe it's just the way that Dornish the Dornish view them I don't know yeah right? just, you know it's maybe it's it's a similar type of of thing right it's kind of like how um you know they they the in think about if you think of this in the show right mm-hmm. in the show um. They think about the 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 hill tribes, right? That Tyrion runs into, right? You know, like uh, Shagar and and those yeah. guys, right? Yeah. They you know they think of them as the hill tribes, but um, you know, in this in this book, they're basically the same thing as wildlings, really. Mm. Um, but then in the scene where Jon Snow gets crowned king of the North in the show, um, right? Remember the the Knights of the Vale uh, guy is yeah. talking about like you know wildling invaders, right? Like pff, you know, yeah. So it's just it's it's this even bigger disdain for wildlings, and so maybe and it's just how certain regions view things, right? Yeah, it, this could be their version, as you said. That's a good comparison to the veil of like a tribe or a group of people who are outside of the rule of law. You know, right, right. It's a place too that you wouldn't really go because the mountain clans. It's like nobody cares because no one's going to go up there, and it's not good land to live off of, type of thing. You know, so. Right. They can't leave them alone. I just right, but I don't. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know if they would. You know, if if you just saw one, right? If you just saw a mountain, a, you know, a, mount, a clansman, right? And he was like in town as long as he was minding his own business. Like, do you like you know? Yeah, I get would you. They, right, but if they saw a wildling, you know, oh, okay, that's like breaking the law, right? It's like breaking the law of being a wildling. So I don't know. Yeah, and I and I don't know because I mean it's like right. how how different art do they look? That's why I thought it was interesting that they this uh, n- near the brimstone, you know this river that was seems like it's got a lot of volcanic type of you know sulfur mentioned uh, this stinking plants don't grow it's like these people might actually look different and deformed and that might be you know they might be outcast you know type of thing so you know um Mm -hmm. but anyways yeah we're not allowed you know we're not going to mention them according to the maester there so um yeah we already mentioned the salty you know and the um Sandy Stony uh, Dornishman. So there's a nice little illustration of the three different types there in uh, a world of ice and fire. So, um, so on to the breaking, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. So I think this is for me. This has always been kind of fascinating. Just the different um, interpretations of 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 the breaking. I mean, because you know the the children and the, and the, and the giants are fighting against the first men and they're losing. And mm-hmm. um, legend kind of says that the um, that the children, you know, through their green seers, um, caused this this breaking of of the um, 
of, of Dorne, you know, the, the, the land bridge between Essos and Westeros. And, uh, you know, is that they basically awoke the giants from the depths of the earth and, you know, caused the, the ocean to rise. And what you have left over is the stepstones. And, right. you know, so there's different, um, different, um, versions, you know, maesters obviously believe that it's caused because of, uh, you know, it's natural causes and it probably didn't occur overnight. Uh, they, they believe it occurred over a great amount of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's a, because well, like like one of the things that they that they mention here is that by the time it was broken, there were already so many first men over, you know, in Westeros that, you know, that, that it kind of, you know, uh, what's the I, mean, I guess they're just breaking the land bridge so that they don't have to fight more uh, people. One thing that's interesting, too, in this as well, is that the the first men populated much quicker than the children of the for, of, of, of the forest and the giants. So they couldn't mm-hmm. reproduce as quickly and so over time, you know, it's just, you know, they can't keep up, you know, I mean, literally right. can't, can't yeah. churn out, churn out enough children, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Jamie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right. I want to go ahead and skip ahead just a little bit here to the sword of the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Cause this is, this is by far kind of the coolest thing, um, you know, about Dorne. Uh, the Danes of Starfall are one of the most ancient houses in the seven kingdoms, though their family, uh, fame less, largely rests on their ancestral sword called Dawn and the men who wielded it. Its origins are lost to legend, but it seems likely that the Danes have carried it for thousands of years. Those who have had the honor of examining it say it looks like no Valyrian steel they know, being pale as milk glass, but in all other respects it seemed to share the same properties, being incredibly strong and sharp. Though many houses have their heirloom swords, um, they mostly pass down from lord to lord. Some, such as the Corbrays have done, may lend the blade to a son or brother for its lifetime, only to have it returned to the lord. But that is not the way of House Dame. The wielder of dawn is always given the title Sword of the Morning, and only a knight of House Dame who is deemed worthy can carry it. For this reason, the Sword of the Morning are all famous throughout the Seven Kingdoms. There are boys who secretly dream of being a son of Starfall, so they might claim that storied sword and its title. Most famous of all was Sir Arthur Dane, the deadliest of King Aerys II's Kingsguard, who defeated the Kingswood Brotherhood and won renown and every tourney in melee. He died nobly with his sworn brothers at the end of Robert's Rebellion, after Lord Eddard Stark was said to have killed him in single combat. Lord Stark then returned Dawn to Starfall to Sir Arthur's kin as a sign of respect. And we'll talk a little bit about that here in a bit. Yes. Yeah, for sure. It's, I, it is it is probably you know the coolest part, you know, the, this idea that you've got this sword that uh, you have to be worthy of, you know, almost like an Excalibur type of thing. you got to be able to pull it from yeah, the stone. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And uh, House Dane, there is there's a bit more too, just on on uh, how they how their their formation, you know, and finding um, the fallen star. So they 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 create a place called you know um, Starfall. That's where their keep is, and mm-hmm. you know there's some possible magical properties, you know, to the stone or to the to the star that fell or the whatever it may be, whatever magical rock they have. I think they're holding it up there in Starfall. I think it's something, you know, maybe. Uh, there's more to it than just it, it being a sword. Maybe they made the sword, you know, from that, you know, star, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. And, you know, a lot of people, when we've talked about this many times, right, that I think it could be, it could, it could actually be Lightbringer, right? Because it's. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so. um, let's see here. The the rest of this, I don't know, did, did you want to go into any, because some of this is basically Aegon's conquest and his, 
Um, right, and a little and a little bit about Nymeria, which we which we've we've done we've done before. Um, you know, and we've talked about how the Dornish were. Um, you know, right here, I'm just going to read it here. Of all the challenges the Dornish have faced, none have loomed so large as as that posed by Aegon the Conqueror and his sisters. Great was the valor the Dornish showed in battle, and great was the grief as the losses they suffered, for the price of freedom was steep. Yet alone, of all the seven kingdoms, Dorne remained independent of House Targaryen, resisting attempt after attempt by Aegon, his sisters, and their successor, successors to make the Dornish bend their knees before the Iron Throne. Yeah, and it's true. They hold out. The, the you know the Dornish basically hold out and don't don't have to really bend the knee to Aegon. Um, it's it's you know many 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 years before they finally get kind of thrown into into the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, they kind of have that uh, initial understanding uh, once the letter is sent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from the Toad Princess there, and um, y- you know, it's uh, they're still they they reserve that title of prince and princess, you know. Uh, and it's a marriage, a marriage pact later on that will kind of bind um, Dorne to you know the the rest of the realm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's not um, what's what's neat is you can kind of see uh, how Song of Ice and Fire starts in the north, and it kind of we work our way south, and then we also we're always flashing back north to John, but um, we work in Dorne in in a way that's very interesting. You know, with uh, Duran Martell and his son, and them seeking out this marriage alliance between the Targaryens. So it kind of comes full circle. Now they're seeking, um, you know, to 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 unite the two houses, you know, and bring the Targaryens back um, when they right, were the, yeah. when they were the house, they were the kingdom that wouldn't bow, you know, to uh, Aegon. So just kind of ironic, interesting. Yeah. So, all right. Um, we're gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about Sunspear and kind of kind of finish up here because it's it's a castle. You know that uh, the picture in World of Ice and Fire looks super cool, right? Um, it's almost got that kind of like Arabic kind of look to it, right? When you think of those like kind of golden, yeah, um, those golden kind of tops is just kind of what it, uh, I think of. That's my initial kind of uh, of thing. You think that because of kind of Middle Eastern kind of keeps and castles and or palaces things like that um sunspear's history is a curious one having been a little more uh, than a squat ugly keep called the sand ship in early days under the martels beautiful towers bearing all the hallmarks of the ruinous fashion would eventually spring up around it it became known as sunspear when the son of the ruin was wedded to the spear of the martels in time the tower of the sun and the spear tower were both constructed the great golden dome of uh, of the one and the slender high spire of the other becoming the first things that visitors beheld by land or by sea the castle spits on sits on a spur of land surrounded by three sides of water and on the fourth side by the shadow city um through the Dor- though the Dornish may call it a city, it remains no more than a town and a queer, dusty, ugly town at that. The Dornish mm. built up against the walls of Sunspear, then built up against the walls of their neighbors' homes, and so on uh, until the Shadow City took on its current form. Uh, its current form today, it is a it is worn of narrow alleys, bazaar um, bazaars filled with the spices of Dorne and the East, and the homes of the Dorn- Dornish built of mud brick that remains cool even in the height of the burning summer. The winding walls uh, were raised some uh, 700 years ago, wrapping Sunspear and winding throughout the sat- Shadow City in a snaking defensive curtain that would force even the boldest enemy to lose their way. Only the threefold gate provides a straight path to the castle, cutting through the winding walls, and these gates are heavily defended at need. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, you know, we, we get a little bit of it in the series, just you kind of get... Um, right. You know, w- like when we travel there. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, what is her name? Marcella, right? And, right. And we get her relationship, and you get uh, you get to understand. It's a, it's an interesting place, and it's it's hot, man. Boy, they talk about how, like... Right, yeah, how hot it is down there! Everybody's always sweating. No one's wearing any clothes. You know, uh, all op- you know, bathing in these pools. It's not a place I think I would enjoy. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, uh, and and not because of the open bathing, but because of the heat. <laughs> right. So, anyways, all right. Um, anything else there all for right. the Maester study? No, no. Let's go ahead and move on back over to the the reread. Here we are in Edard Ten. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Seems seems crazy. We're you know we're definitely definitely moving moving on on in this book here. Yeah, yeah, we are for sure. Uh, yeah, so I'll I'll do the recap here real quick. So last week, um, you know, uh, Tyrion is uh, trying to to you know weasel his way out of this um, this cell that he's in, right? And he's he ends up kind of uh, you know tricking the um, the guard there into you know uh, allowing him to confess his crimes. Uh, to Lysa, uh, Lysa Aaron there, and Catelyn Tully, you know, is 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 um, you know watching on, and uh, it's it's um, I don't know, man, it's it's uh, it's pretty, it's 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 interesting because you know he he calls for the trial by combat, and uh, you know we're waiting for you know he wants his brother to be there, and then Braun ends up you know kind of uh, stepping in, so so that was last week. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, sorry. Let me shift over here to my to my uh, thing here. So yeah, let me just go ahead and read the first passage. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the so, uh, oh, so last time, well, real quick, uh, last time we were in. Oh, sorry, um, my bad. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're good. Last time we were in Edard um, nine, right? So Littlefinger leads mm-hmm. Ned to the brothel, and uh, it's there that he kind of uh, learns more about Robert's um, bastard daughter and how she looks a lot like. Um, you know, his first daughter, you know, back in the Vale. And Ned's party is ambushed by Jamie Lannister and about 20 of his men. And, um, you know, basically they, they're, they're confronting Ned about uh, the abduction of Tyrion Lannister. And uh, Ned's uh, leg is broken during the fight and he loses consciousness. Now, this week, you know, when we, um, so we're, we're at, at our 10, he is actually still sort of out of his, uh, out of his mind a little bit. And he's having this dream of the showdown at the uh, Tower of Joy. And, um, you know, so that, that's going to be a big part of our, our discussion today. And then uh, once he wakes up, you know, King Robert wants to speak with him, and they discuss him being um, continuing on as the Hand of the King and, um, you know, sitting in judgment while the king goes hunting. So, all right, let's, mm-hmm. ju- let's dive into some of these details here real quick for the Eddard 10, the dream, my friend. What did you think of, uh, you know, Eddard's dream? Yeah, let me let me just go ahead. I just I just really like this uh, this opening opening line here. He dreamt an old dream of three knights in white cloaks and a tower long fallen, uh, and Lyanna in her bed of blood. In the dream, his friends rode with him as they had in life: uh, proud Martin Cassell, Jory's father; faithful Theo Wool. Uh, Ethan Glover, who had been Brandon's squire, Sir Mark Riswell, soft of speech and gentle of heart, the Cranachman, Howland Reed, Lord Dustin on his great red stallion. Ned had known their faces as well as he knew his own, his own once, but the years leech at a man's memory, even though he has vowed never to forget. 
In the dream, they were only shadows, gray wraiths of horses made of mist. Yeah. There were seven facing three. Uh, yeah. You know, and it just, it, go, it goes on and, you know, we, we've seen this and now we, we've kind of seen what presumably may happen in the books in in the show. Right. Yeah. You know, I looked, I looked for you on the trident. Ned said to them, we were not there. Sir Gerald answered. Woe to the usurper if we had been. When King's Landing fell, Sir Jamie slew your king with a golden sword, and I uh, wondered where you were. Far away, Sir Gerald said, or Ares would yet sit the Iron Throne, and our false brother would burn in seven hells. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, some of this is totally different. In the show, it's just Arthur Dane talking, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so that's different. So he's having, you know, Sir Arthur Dane says, Our knees do not bend easily. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, th- this whole bit is really interesting. So the part that you started to read there. So Ned basically walks you through Robert's rebellion. Right. So we start off on the Trident. I looked for you there. You weren't there. One of the best. Li- and I'm going to take my time. I'm sorry. I have to. Because it's no, like go right ahead. One Absolutely. Of my go right ahead. We do not want to skip over. Yeah. Because this part is, is so, 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 so good. OK. This is you're going to think I'm getting into too many details here, but I don't think you can you can look at this closely enough. The men that he. You know, he swore, he vowed to remember their faces and what they look like, right? But they appeared in his dream as shadows, as gray wraiths. To me, those men, um, it's it's interesting that their their faces have are, have have gone. They have disappeared, right? Right. But their uh, but the three faces in his dream, he still sees them as if um, you know, as if it had been in real life, uh, and and they were. Faces that were that burned clear, um, even now. Okay, so what makes me? There's a lot of speculation right. that these three faces that are burning clear, these three Kingsguard, might actually still be alive, my friend. You know, it's possible. Yeah, because their faces are still burning clear. You know, they right. They, right. So one one thing I want I would I just want to point out here a yeah. big 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 difference right between uh-huh. the books and the show. Yep. Is at least in the and it may change right if we get that scene with Bran right yeah um and we, you know Bran Bran goes back and, and we revisit because this is like a fever dream right so that doesn't mean this is sure yeah you know you, you can take everything as as historical right. fact yep that's right. right is the is that line in the show right uh, that Arthur Dane says I wish you good fortune in the wars to come yeah right uh-huh. yes yeah so that's not that's not in this scene. At Unfortunately, least. yeah, <laughs> not in, not in the Ned dream scene, and we yeah. may get it again. Um, but so you know, just bear that, bear that, bear that in mind, right? As as we as we progress as we progress through it, yeah. But it's sort of you know you can kind of see what the show is doing there is is hinting um, that Arthur Dane knew that he would need to live and that he would want right. him to have good fortune in the wars to come. So which is. Yeah. So again, that's a show thing, but it's also really fits with the theme of, of what's happening uh, uh, here. And you know, when you, when you look at these details now, um, real quickly here, let me let me go through a couple of these things, dude. The description of this is I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just gonna go. No, nuts it's awesome. No, go right it's ahead. It's so yeah. awesome. So like when they approach, you know, uh, so let's so let's see. Um, Sir Arthur Dane, sort of the morning, had a sad smile on his on his lips. Why does he have a sad smile on his lips? Mm-hmm. You know, you look yeah. at that and it's sort of like the time has come. You know, it's sort of like this this smile that like I knew this would happen and, and here we go. It's it's all come to this. And um, why the sad smile? OK, next, let's move on. So they talk about Don being on over his right shoulder. Uh, Sir Oswell went was on one knee 
sharpening his blade with a whetstone. You know, and uh, across his white enameled helm, the black bat of his house spread its wings. There's just there's 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 so much. You know, he's he's on one knee. Um, you know, he's bending the knee. Uh, you know, sh- sharpening his sword. So there's that. And then now you get the this this fierce Sir Gerald Hightower, the White Bull Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. Uh, so that's epic. So you have the Lord Commander here. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's important because this Absolutely. is this is what I think Ned is trying to communicate here. So Ned is the speaker, and you just mentioned some key lines. And I'm going to read every single one of them because they are this important. He says, "I looked for you on the trident, right? Step one in the in the rebellion. I looked for you there, and Sir Gerald is the one to answer. We were not there. And I love this line: Woe to the usurper if we had been, you know. Yeah. Woe to the usurper king if we would have been there." Um, because they would have, I mean, who knows what would have happened, you know? I mean, right. it's, it's, it's like, you know, having those three guys could make that much of a difference, uh, which says a lot, right? Uh, when King's Landing, so next he says, when King's Landing fell, Sir Jamie slew your king with a golden sword, and I wondered where you were. And Sir Gerald answers again, far away. As you said, or he would still sit the throne. So the next, so this is Ned going from, I was at the, you know, the Trident, looked for you there. Right. You weren't there. I then go to King's Landing. You guys are not there. I then went to to Storm's End to lift the siege. So when we wonder about where did Ned go, I guess you know he uh, he did. He said I came down uh, from from Storm's End to lift the siege, uh, and the Lords Tyrell and Redwine dipped their banners. Um, mm-hmm. You were not there. You know he goes. I was certain you would be among them. Um, and then Sir Arthur Dane says our knees do not bend easily. Uh, now, even one more step. Sir William Derry is fled to Dragonstone with your queen and prince Viserys. I thought you might have uh, sailed with him. And this is, this is, I think, you know, key here. Sir William is a good man and true, said Sir Oswell, uh, but not of the King's Guard. Sir Gerald pointed out, the King's Guard does not flee. Okay, so, you know, he's a good man, says Sir Oswell. And then Sir Gerald cuts in and says, but not of the King's Guard. He's emphasizing that they are of the King's Guard, and they are here for what reason? A royal reason. It has right. to be relating to the king, you know, uh, in, 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 in some way, and possibly the uh, succession to the, th- right? I mean, you'd think it's, it's uh, Viserys. Why wouldn't they be with Viserys? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's just, it's mind-boggling, you know? Right. Clear, that- clearly they were, they were there, well... They were there. Well, yeah. They were there guarding succession. Exactly. Because, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because so, if you know if John if R plus L equals J, then Jon Snow would be that next line. Because maybe Rhaegar knows King's Landing is gonna. Maybe you know. Maybe he knows the whole thing. Maybe he knows. Well, he's he could he couldn't beat Robert B- Baratheon. Maybe he knows um, King's Landing is gonna fall. You know. I don't know. You never know. Maybe he. Maybe Rhaegar has green sight. We don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah, so I don't know. It just it just mind-boggling to me that like what Ned is doing is he's making the case that like okay, here's where you would expect the King's Guard to be. Absolutely, yeah. And you guys are not there. So what the heck is going on? Why are you guys yeah. here? And that's just what's mind-boggling. You know, Sir Arthur Dane says, you know, when uh, Gerald says, you know, the King's Guard does not flee, he says then or now. He donned his helm. So like we're not going to flee. We didn't flee then, and we're not fleeing now. So basically mm-hmm. saying, this was not us fleeing. We are here 
for a reason. The Kingsguard needs to be here. Uh, and then it says, uh, Sir yeah, Gerald we're, said, yeah, we're right where we're supposed to be. Right, right. And then and then Sir Gerald says, we swore a vow. <laughs> okay. So what they they swore a vow. Let's let me just real quickly do a, a Google search. I meant to do it before, but like, what is the Kingsguard's vow? Do we know what they're you know? Are, are they talking about the vow that they swore to the king? Are they talking about a separate vow that they took themselves outside of the other Kingsguard? Wow, man! You know? Sounds like sounds like maybe uh, yeah, they made they also made a promise. Right. Uh huh. Yeah, so that I don't know. That was, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Let me see here. So nah, it doesn't really give you a, a Kingsguard vow. I don't think uh, it's very similar to the, you know, like to 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 the Night's Watch vows. What they say, but it, I don't know. They give you an actual. Uh, yeah, the Kingsguard, also known uh, poetically as the White Swords or White Cloaks, are the royal bodyguards of the Iron Throne. Um, they're regarded as the finest, you know, knights and. The Seven Kingdoms. Yeah, there's no actual vow, just a bunch no of them actual listed. Nice vow, yeah. Yeah, because I wondered, you know, I was looking at that, like, is there some wording, special wording in there that you could kind of pick out to say, like, well, this is, you know, th- th- you know, a part of their vow would apply to them, you know, being being here. It, 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 they, they, they do swear for life, and they're forbidden from owning lands, taking a wife, or fathering a, uh, a child. Um, you know, but, uh, yeah, and they can they cannot hold... Uh, any hereditary, you know, commands such as, you know, or, um, they can, they they do uh, hold commands such as the warden or hand of the king, so they can operate in those capacities. But man, I don't know. I would just like this this whole part just kind of like blows you away when you think about like what the heck are you doing there? So let's I don't know. Let's move on a little bit here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I, hey, I, hey, I, I'm I, yeah, I'm right there with you. You know what? Um, it's set up. It's set up. You know, and then. You know, Ned. Ned is making the promise, right? You know, Ned's Ned's yeah. Ned's making Ned's making that promise. He says, "You know, Liana, I, I promise." Um, and she's calling out Eddard, right? And we don't know if in the show she's is doesn't she call out for Ned, or is she just scream when he gets there? It's like a, it's like a pa- screen of pain, or does she call out for him. Uh, I th- I don't know. I'd have to that. watch that. I'd have to watch yeah. that scene again. Um, because if she calls out for him, as it kind of you could kind of hear that right here right um you know now now it ends as they as a clash came together um he could hear liana screaming edart she calls so how does she, how did i mean unless she can just hear him outside dude right? that um, okay you're hitting a nail or on the head. or yep. does she or did she know he would he was be coming. coming yes that's what i'm saying man that was my next i got that underlined this this whole bit about remember we had that discussion who right. sent edard to this spot who told him who right. told him that the King's Guard were were here at the Tower of Joy? It's not like next to some. I mean, it's its own separate, like little round uh, uh, keep in Dorne. You know, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's it's not on the way to any of the spots that he was that you know um, took place during Robert's Rebellion or, or the parts where he was involved in. You know, from the Trident down to King's Landing over to Storm's End. You know, it's nowhere near those places. So how the heck did he come from those points? Over to the Tower of Joy. Who told him to come this way? And like you said, she's crying out, Lord Eddard. And I only I imagine that it actually seems like right before they go to do battle, she cries she cries out to him. And I can only imagine mm-hmm. she's been laying there, not hearing anyone approach. She's just been hearing the King's Guard, and she hears people approaching, and she knows it's her brother. Whether she heard him actually, 
heard his voice or not, I think she just knows he's going to be sent this way. I think it was meant to be this way. Um, that's why Sir Arthur Dane yeah. has that sad smile, you know, type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, so anyways, yeah, he says um, that, that he promises and, um, man, I don't know. Oh, oh, we're going to get to it. Remind me to talk about the the burial mounds <laughs> and the number mm-hmm. of uh, right. that th- that are buried. So yeah, he co- so he comes through for a second and um you know, he actually kind of wakes up and he hears someone uh calling out his name and it's actually um Valen Poole, you know, who's giving him water and talking about him, you know, uh needing to go see Robert Baratheon who's requested his presence as soon as he wakes up and uh Mr. Pycelle you know, has uh, given him medicine and has tended to him and his, his legs all, you know, it's, it's right, healing. Right. It's on the mend, you know. Um, okay. Oh, and he's wanting some news. So he was about to summon Jory. Remember that? So he's about to mm-hmm. summon Jory and he remembers, he just says, summon the nope. the captain of my Kingsguard. Yeah, because he, he's, he's dead, man. Um, and it was Jory's father or grandfather that was with him at the Tower of Joy. It just mentioned it. Um, I think it was Jory's father. Was his father? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, you know why. You know why? Because they say uh, he wants to be taken north to be buried with his grandfather. You know? That that is actually said here. You're right. It is his father who is buried by the Tower of Joy. And his grandfather is actually buried in... um, Winterfell, Winterfell, and that's where Jory wants to go. I don't think anybody knows where the mounds are that uh, that Ned made for his companions, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, so, so the Kingslayer, uh, so he gets he gets updates from um, from the captain of his guard just on things that are happening, and and uh, they Jamie Lannister has fled, right? Um, right. So there's there's extra guards on on Ned's door. Um, and this is where he kind of asks for some help with his daughters. You know, he's like, just make sure that, you know, they remain safe. Um, uh, and he says, they have been with you every day, my lord. Sansa prays quietly, but Arya, he hesitated. She has not said a word since they brought you back. She is a fierce little thing, my lord. I have never seen such anger in a girl, you know. And so they've been with him the whole time. And that's where that whole bit about, um, you know, Jory wanting to go back to Winterfell, um, to be with his grandfather, you know, um, Martin Cassell had perished with the rest. This is where this is like an insert, right? So it says um, it would have to be his grandfather for Jory's father was buried far to the south. Um, Martin Cassell had perished with the rest. Um, Ned had pulled the tower down afterward and used its bloody stones to build eight Karens upon the ridge. Uh, it was said that Rhaegar had named that place the Tower of Joy, but for Ned, it was a bitter memory. Yeah. So they had been seven against three, yet only two had lived to ride away. So the eight that he built suppose would be if he if he is seven minus two is is five, plus the three Kingsguard would be your eight, right? Those are the eight burial mounds. Well, <sighs> unless only had lived to ride away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. and so 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 the thing is, you know, he he builds. So so some of those could be empty. You know, he also could just build. Um, you know, it says that he, you know Martin Cassell perished with the rest. Well, who does that include? Who are who are the rest? Right. Is it just his his other men? Um, 
you know, and it says that, you know, only, um, you know, two had survived. Um, yeah, only two lived to ride away, as you say. So, yeah, I mean, that way, so the only two that we know that were there were Hal and Reed and, and, um, and Eddard that, that, you know, lived to ride away. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so, I mean, so you're meant to, I think you're, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to say that like, you know, the eight burial mounds were just his five other companions and the three Kingsguard because he took Liana's body with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And took her back there to, to be buried. So, um, yeah. Let's see. He did not think it, um, he did not think it omened well that uh, he should dream that dream again after so many years. So, you know, it's a bad omen that he's, he's still dreaming this, right? Uh, and then it kind of moves on, and then this is when, um, uh, you know, Robert Baratheon shows up. And he comes in and is, and is uh, coming in to kind of question Ned, but then also to put this to rest. You know, he's trying to, right. to stop a war, and he's just coming to Ned to say, you know... Knock this crap off. Release, right? You know Tyrion. So, uh, I don't, did you? Yeah, any, and and it's yeah. and it's it's well, it's it's pretty similar to the way it goes down in in the show. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, as is Ned wakes up and Robert's kind of standing over him, um, and uh, you know, then Cersei is there and they get into a little tough, and Robert, you know, mm-hmm. King slaps her. I guess is the is the, is the, is the way to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does, and he says, you know, the same sort of thing. That right? That wasn't that. Yeah, that, that wasn't very kingly. Um, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they they talk a bit about just the taking of the imp, and you know, Robert Baratheon doesn't care. He's just like, I don't really care at all. Just re- what your reasons were, just release right. him. Um, yeah. What's funny? Ned wants leave to go bring the Kingslayer to justice because he thinks, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because he was there, he knows that he slew his men and he started this whole brawl but the king doesn't know that and Littlefinger says he wasn't there he like went to go get the gold cloaks so conveniently he's right. not there to so it's one man versus another man's word and you've got hand of the king versus lord commander of the king's guard you know tough right. little tough little spot to be in so yeah. uh well and he and he puts he puts robert in a tough spot when he tells him why he was at the whorehouse yeah, right. he does. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Some whorehouse." Damn your eyes, Robert. I was there to have a look at your daughter. Yes, you know her her her, her mother. Uh, her mother has named her Bara. Um, Robert flushed. You know, Bara is that supposed to please me? Damn the girl. I thought she had more sense. She cannot be more than fifteen and a whore. And you thought she had sense? Um, then the king glanced at Cersei. He's like, "This is you know, this is not, you know, this yeah. is not fit subject for the queen's ears." Um, you know, yep. this 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 whole this whole thing, right? So, right. Yep. 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 Um, huh. Yeah, I was looking for more stuff on on Bara, but I don't really. Um, yeah, I know that. Uh, ah, she's killed. Right. She's she's one of those that's right. You know, killed or whatever. I was looking for. Stuff right. On. Yeah. And then and then um you know and then Cersei. That's when Cersei and him get into it a little bit. She says, you know, um the king. Uh, her grace uh, will have no. Liking for anything I have to say, Ned replied, I am told the Kingslayer has fed the city. Um, give me leave to bring him back to justice. Um, he says, I want no more of this. Um, now it ends. And, Cersei, and he says, is this your notion of justice? Um, 
and then the queen looked at her husband. If any man uh, dared to speak to a Targaryen, uh, as he spoke to you, he says, you know, Robert says, do you take me for Aerys? She says, I took you for a king. And then he says, you know, how many times must I tell you to hold your tongue? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Cersei's face, um, you know, she says, by all rights, you ought to be in skirts and me in a male, uh, yeah. which is basically the same thing she says in the show. Uh, and he he hits her and he says, uh, she says, I will wear this as a badge of honor. She announced, he says, wear it in silence or I'll honor you again. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, yeah. And then he he kind of regrets it. And he, um, you know, he says, I should not I shouldn't have hit her. It was not kingly. Same same way it goes down goes down in the show right um so then so then ned wants to tell him this is where ned you know wants to tell him something and robert kind of cuts him yeah, off cuts him off this uh, is you know it all could have been gosh it's yeah. so crazy and so and he so he's he says i'm going basically he says you know i'm going hunting um and you were right about the you know or the or no, the, no excuse me the targaryen girl he's like no we're doing it sorry like right it's later on mm-hmm, where he'll yeah Right. It's, when he, it's, when, it's when he's on when he's on his deathbed. So yeah. he says, uh, he says, and put that badge back on. And if you ever throw up my face again, I'll pen the damn thing to Jamie Lannister. So yeah, same way it goes down in the show. Um, but yeah, still a great great scene. We get that we get that Tower of Joy flashback, yeah. and uh, yeah, the it's, the final kind of you know, and, and the and it's kind of interesting because now that Ned has said this to Cersei, um, do you think Cersei's plan? is getting sped up now that she knows Ned is uh, out looking for bastards. Yes. Do you, th- yeah. so that's that right. Is it, is it this exact moment where she says, all right, now I really need to make sure he dies on that hunt or, you know, we know she was maybe planning on it earlier with the melee um, or did, or is it, so you, do you think it was sped up by this moment or do you think it was uh, yeah, still just I, par- part of the plan? Yeah, I, th- I think it was, I mean, really, anytime that he's being reckless or puts himself in a situation where he could be hurt, she's going to take advantage of that, and so it happens to be the hunt is tomorrow, so maybe it was planned, uh, but at the right. same time, I do think, um, you know, I, 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 maybe there were rumors getting around, or maybe, you know, obviously Sir Barristan Selmy, or I'm sorry, Varys and, and different folks are kind of suspecting that there was this plot to assassinate the king. So, you, you know, later on, you, you you want some time between those attempts. You know, you don't want this to be happening day after day. So you would imagine they would let some time elapse, and they don't. So I think it was sort of hurried and escalated um, because of what, you know, um, Ned was going to say. Although I think she's been dismissed from the room when he wants to say this, I think. Is that right? Was she just dismissed right, right before Ned wants to kind of um, tell him something? You know, so maybe she doesn't know. Right. She just yep. knows. She knows that right. he's gone to see. Well, actually, sorry, she was there for when he talked about seeing her, his bastard daughter, and it says right. her face yep. went as still as stone. You know, and so yeah. Yep, definitely, probably escalated for sure. Yeah. So. I don't know. Yeah, it's a cool chapter. I I, I, I hate to hyper focus, but at the same time, I love to hyper focus on some of those lines. And to me, one of the biggest takeaways were the faces that should be burning bright, uh, even now in his mind, are not. It's the faces of the men that he fought. And I just wondered if there was some foreshadowing with that, if there are faces that are because it says even now that they're still burning. And I just kind of thought, man, could that mean that? You know, th- those faces are still alive, still out right. doing their thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. 
you know, what, what, you know, it, did, did they build these um, grave sites? They tear down the Tower of Joy, so you can't find it. Correct. I mean, you get you go looking for it; it's torn down. All you're going to find is maybe eight mounds, supposedly. That mm-hmm. um, I wonder if anybody's gone by to see it. You know what I'm saying? Has anybody gone to yeah. check to see if there's any bi- any bodies buried there? You know, um, all stuff. I'm just kind of kind of wondering about as as we discuss it. Uh, I don't know so much, and I can't get over how does he know to go to that particular location. Um, and then, and then, you know, just the battle of, I think it, at least from his fever dream, he's trying to get the King's guard to give him some answers and they're not because they right. swore a vow because he kept, he's trying to battle with them, like using his words. Logically, I saw you here. You, you, I, I was here. You weren't, I was there. You weren't. And they kept saying we were where we're supposed to be and we're not going to mm-hmm. tell you why we were supposed to be here, but we're here Yeah, for good reason. Yeah. And yeah. that's that, you know. So, and again, you still get down to the what was the actual promise that Liana made him keep? We we really still don't know as much as we want to speculate and say, you know, we have a lot of evidence that indicates uh, maybe just keeping Jon Snow safe, if that's who it was. Um, you know, if it's someone else, whatever, you know. If there's a swapping of babies, which there could have been because, you know, again... Um, he he could have stopped at at uh, Starfall on his way down to this or way up or down to the Tower of Joy. You know he could have had his if he did have a bastard there on Ashara Dane. You know, uh, son, they could have done the whole baby swap thing like they did with um, Mance Raider's child. You know, so mm-hmm. it's been no, done yeah. before. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. I don't well, know. Great. It was a great chat. Hey, man. Great chapter. Yeah. Absolutely. Hundred percent. So. All right, let's dive into um, send a raven here. You can uh, you can send those to btkcast at uh, gmail.com. And I really just had a couple comments from the group today that I wanted to kind of pull out here. And uh, we had some answers to my challenge uh, last week, so we'll read those. But first, uh, Sarah Thompson, you know, we had mentioned uh, her name at the top of the show just talking about um, Fire and Blood, and she mentioned here, did anybody else think that they had got tricked into another history-style book with Fire and Blood only to realize that the storytelling is sneakily weaved into the book. I'm about halfway through, and it's so fascinating to learn more about the Targaryens um, in more than just factual terms. Each one has their own nuances, personalities, and derives. Uh, Well done, and thanks to George. This is going to make uh, Winds of Winter in Season 8 that much more rich and intriguing, especially with John and Danny, and uh, possibly a certain pair of twins who've loved each other romantically since childhood. Uh, you know, being the only Targaryens left in the realm, wishing that all uh, you good sirs and ladies had a thanks- happy Thanksgiving meal and, um, mm-hmm. you know, enjoyed Robert's funeral uh, boar feast. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Sarah, for, uh, you know, putting that comment in, in the group. I It was a bunch of different replies to it, but i um, not going to read those right now. But I think it's interesting if we had said, you know, just keep reading. You know, so if you're in Fire and Blood, keep reading. Get to the, you know, good but you know, the, the good little bits about uh, each of the different kings and the people surrounding them and their their drives and their motivations. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, next year, just uh, Ghost of Harrenhal. We had talked about the, the, the trivia question was Ors Baratheon. Uh, the answer uh, for last week, and, and everyone kind of entered there and, um, you know, kind of wanted to take a closer look at Ors Baratheon, uh, Ors being uh, the ever-present bastard brother and companion to Aegon the Conqueror since they were boys. Um, 
Oris, uh, you know, received a uh, gagged, chained, and naked lady, uh, um, Argalella or Ar- Argella, um, after fighting right, yeah. um, her badass father, Argalac, the arrogant, uh, taking her hand and sigil and ruling the Stormlands with her. His compassion is so inspiring. Aegon dealt with his enemies with an open hand. He didn't slay opponents who bent the knee, and Ors showed the same uh, morality. Even when he got his sword hand chopped off and left the position of hand, he did so gracefully. Uh, there is this sweet chivalry and battle manner that the Baratheons demonstrate that I really just adore. Too bad it went so sour between the Baratheons and Targaryens that um, that there are a oh that they are a match made in heaven. Well, and what's interesting is oftentimes Robert Baratheon is considered very merciful. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, he he he. Uh doesn't kill Barristan Selmy, right? He honors him and yeah. you know the, the whole kind of thing. Even even Jamie Lannister, you know, he who who still at the end of the day swore to, you know, but totally betrayed his king's guard vows and, and kills his king. He, you know, still gives yeah. him a, a yeah, pardon, pardon essentially. Yeah. Well, and, and what's what's ironic about it as as the ghost of Harrenhal points out is that it's his uh relationship with the Targaryens, his uh you know, like he doesn't show that same compassion towards Danny until the very end, until his his deathbed, and he tells Ned, "You're, you know, you're right on that point, uh, and uh, we should spare the girl's life." And you know it, you, that that he was right. So I just think it's interesting that you know, uh, Oris Baratheon is is he is a, a, a chivalrous, you know, a, a good guy, and uh, yeah, all of those things are true. And so it's nice to kind of see. That you know, and and I've always wanted to explore more just the idea that he's his half brother, you know. And the Baratheons are much closer to the Targaryens than we kind of realize. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's it's possible, and that would again then make that that Baratheon claim to the to the throne that much more legitimate, right? We know that uh, what is it, Ro- Robert's grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. other Robert's grandfather, right? Um, is or no? Maybe it's his dad. There's a Targaryen. There's a Targaryen in his in his family, right? That was that was sworn because Lionel Baratheon was spo- Lionel Baratheon's son. Yeah, is Stefan is supposed to marry one of Egg's daughters? Uh, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah right, yeah, yeah. right. Yep. But he still he does end up marrying. He does end up marrying into that family. It's just a different Targaryen. Uh, so. Yeah, yep. so that, there's there's that line too, and if you know if it goes all the way back too, there's definitely some Targaryen blood in there. Right. Yep. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Oh, okay. Um, one more thing here too before we uh, sign off. We've got uh, my challenge from last week. You know, Tyrion was confessing his crimes, and uh, I asked for you guys to kind of confess some of your crimes. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I didn't get all the nitty gritty, juicy details. You know that. Um, that I was hoping for. I know you guys have been up to to more misdeeds than than than, uh, <laughs> than what were posted in the group, but that's okay. Uh, so we did have the ghost of Harrenhal kind of confessed, um, you know, uh, confessed some crimes here. Uh, many moons ago, I told my liege lords that I was going to study the Silent Sisters, but instead I traveled all over Essos and Westeros and told them my adventures. When I came back over a year later, the realm was not pleased, but I did uh, find what I was looking for. So. Uh, something yeah, uh, uh, promise that was made uh, back in the day, and uh, yeah, and then uh, we were getting on um, Sir Gibbs about uh, you know the was it Washington um, the whole Washington football feud right thing. yeah and Washington yeah. State lost so they're not playing Ohio State in the thing now, yeah now 
now uh you know it could end up playing uh i guess the winner of washington utah so i think is the thing yeah so yeah, so he said, uh, I confess my crimes. I am currently plotting against the crown of BTK cast for comments made against my house. Uh, so <laughs> that was uh, kind of funny. Um, Lord James Hunter, you know, uh, just sent us a, a couple messages here. Uh, happy post-Turkey uh, Day, uh, sirs. This year I'm thankful for Sir Matt, the super jacked Bud Knight. Uh, hey, hey, man, I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, mayor of Gaines City, by the way. Um Hooked me up with Audible so I could listen to Storm of Swords. Just last week, I finished A Dance of Dragons and started the new book Tuesday. Uh, I'm now um, kind of a book guy. When I see the group of people talking about how awesome something is in the show, I can now say, uh, yeah, but in the books, <laughs> as they walk away <laughs> in disgust. Uh, you know, it's like, funny is that oh, I, I, I've totally turned to that, too. Now that I'm, I'm rewatching the show, I'm like, that's not how it happens in the books. Dude, that's not uh, how it happens in the books. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. That's why we have such a good blended show, though. You know, it's like it's we're friendly to both and we are fans of both. But uh, that's funny. That's hilarious. Um, oh, so on a side note, um, I was off this week and thought, um, you know, um, w- w- why not put on bend the knee this morning uh, and wake up? Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. So, oh, he kills me. Man. Uh, so so anyways, so I'm going to skip some of this. And then uh, he hits the um, the end of the show and his paranoia sets in, um, you know, uh, right away because he thought that I said um, for Lord Hunter to admit his guilt, you know, because he had done something uh, and he was like, holy shit, what did I do? <laughs> so right. I might need some clarification before I skip town. Uh, no, you don't need to clip, uh, you know, skip town. I just, uh, I was assuming that, you know, uh, Lord Hunter had, had many, many crimes, many, uh, you know, air quote crimes to confess right. as, as Tyrion, you know, uh, confessed, uh, you know, good Lord Tyrion's crimes, man. I mean, I think I can probably relate to Tyrion, you know, uh, in, in, in my youth a little bit, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, just for fun. Um, so if you guys have more crimes, make sure you, you know. Put it out there, you know, be open and honest with the realm, Sir Matt, you know? Hey, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, you know. Gosh, I mean, like. Confess, right? Just, we, you know. We know our listeners over Cer- in. Cersei Lannister does. Yeah, she confesses, you know. And I know I know our listeners over in Europe and, uh, and, and um, yeah, in, in Europe are, you know, they're, they're, there's all sorts of stuff going on over there, man. You know, that we're not, you know, us, us uh, cons- well, I don't know. There's things we can't do here in America, okay, that you guys are doing. All right? So God yeah. bless you. All right. I mean, yeah. geez. Anyways. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's uh, it for this week, Sir Ezra. Yep, that is it. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our Patreon um, at uh, patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. Hey, and we've been getting a lot of reviews on iTunes. We've been seeing some new iTunes reviews. Those oh. uh, drastically, those are huge. Every one of those is absolutely huge and how the show ranks and, and stuff like that. And those are. Yeah, like, a, like I've, that like I've a, said that before. Is a, that is a quick, easy, uh, free way to totally help the show. There it so is. As many of the, as many of those as we get, or take those all day. So thank thank you so much, so much for the people that do that, and uh, anyone else that would like to do that, please by all means go ahead. So uh, all right, well we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter Forty, Catelyn Seven. Yeah. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.